Hi, everybody. My name is Maria Villablanca, and welcome back to Transform Talks. Hi, Jason. Thank you for joining us at Transform Talks. Nice to meet you. Nice to be here. Thank you. So, you know what? I've got a lot of questions because you've got you've had a really interesting career, and I want to hear all about it. So why don't we start with the fact that, well, I guess you were the VP of retail systems and VP of forecasting at uh, of supply chain at Amazon for 19 years, right? It's clearly set the bar with regards to one of the most admired customer-centric supply chains out there. So can you tell us a little bit about the work that you did there to make logistics a strategic differentiator of growth? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, I actually, yeah, I was at Amazon for 19 years. Um, when I first was there, I was working a lot on the fulfillment centers, so the the systems and processes. But largely, my career was focused on the combination of technology and logistics. And so around 2010, I took over the supply chain component of Amazon. And what we were doing, the way I describe it, is essentially trying to make Prime a profitable business. You know, we figured out 2009, 2010, that Prime was going to be the primary growth driver for Amazon. People just loved this two-day concept. People would sign up. They bought a lot more when they signed up. That's not a, a secret by any means. And what we were doing was essentially, how do you make the Prime experience a viable business, right? And you do that essentially with automation through all these steps. You know, the, I like to describe the supply chain as a series of decisions. If you do a good job on those decisions, you get preferential output, you get improved output in terms of speed and cost. And we got really good at automating how you position inventory, how you forecast demand, how you promise to the customer, how you route orders through the network to maintain that balance, and how you kind of optimize transportation on the back end. And so that those six years from 2010 to 2016 were really exciting as we kind of figured all that out. I then later took a role uh, as the VP of retail systems and services. And in that role, I was kind of applying my learnings to pricing and P&L management, vendor management, all the kind of more more directly retail-facing stuff as opposed to the supply chain, but same concepts. I mean, you talk about creating Prime and it's the industry standard, isn't it? I mean, that's basically what dictates and it's cha- it dictates everything. It's changed the way that consumers shop. It's changed the way that sourcing people shop. I mean, our expectations have changed. I, this question, and I've written it down and I thought, okay, this is a big wide question. I've written down, what would you say is your biggest learning? I mean, but 19 years at Amazon, you can you whittle it down to one? I mean, is there one biggest learning or are there many? Um, you know, I think, I think there's a, there's probably a couple, but I think one of the more interesting aspects of Amazon is, is probably just the if you're going to do logistics and operations well, it's kind of this, it's really about combining the technology and people into one fluid process. And, and Amazon was really, really good at that. And I think kind of applying modern technology to these more traditional problems is what I consider to be the most innovative thing, at least on the, on the retail side of the business that Amazon's done and, and what has really kind of shaped the, retail world as a result of that. 
I mean, you know, a lot of digital transformation projects tend to fail because they focus so heavily on just the technology and the fact that you're talking about weaving them into the people. Can you expand a little bit more about how those two complement each other and how that can lead to success with any kind of digital project? Well, I would just phrase it as I think I think that the traditional approach, you know, when I was kind of coming up is you had this this kind of like IT organization mm. sitting on one side of the fence. And then you had this, this, you know, operations or business organization sitting on the other side of the fence. And, you know, they were kind of throwing requirements and banter back and forth. Right. And I, I think, you know, a lot of what Amazon brought into the culture was kind of this respect of data, trying to turn everything into a math problem as opposed to these kind of subjective things. And so you know, obviously not everyone at Amazon was a programmer or a data scientist, but there was a, in the culture, there was this healthy respect for automation, use of data to make decisions kind of applied in different facets. And then I think on the, on the other side, the the counterpoint, the technology teams, you know, what we saw a lot of the innovation was around was really making them more business focused. So you, you, you started to see this you know, I, I feel like in the 90s, it was largely about how do you make a faster and cheaper chip or, or compiler or some other aspect. And I think what you saw at Amazon a lot of, especially early days, and now it's a little more normal, but I think what you saw a lot of was how do I apply this technology to these problems, right? And that became kind of this exciting and sexy thing. And, you know, I think some of the biggest innovations we had at Amazon just came from the fact that you had technical people that were legitimately interested in solving these, these what you would consider to be traditional and boring problems. You know, like uh, in, the, in the early 2000s, this is stuff that would have been hard to talk about at a cocktail party, but somehow now logistics, optimization, data science, ML, use of data to make decisions, it's all kind of come around and become really cool and interesting. And I think that's just a general shift in the technical industry overall. There's, there is a lot to unpack in what you just said there, because <laughs> I think it, there is, because it's so full of deep insight. And I don't think a lot of it has changed entirely. I think there is some element in some companies that tech and IT or whatever you want to call it, or digital sits over there, business sits over yeah. here. And there's this sort of separation of, okay, I'm, I'm going to buy tech for you and we're going to do business so we can buy more tech for you. There's not this cohesion or whatever word you want to use, whether it's breaking down silos or working towards the same goal. But you've really identified that something that Amazon did really well is the fact that there was that, that maybe alignment between those two groups, the tech and the business to drive to one goal perhaps was the leading edge that Amazon had. And then I think, I think also is tech for the sake of tech, you know, for tech's sake, the idea that you're trying to solve a problem. That's something else that I think we see with a lot of digital transformation failures, isn't it? Is that, well, I'm going to implement AI and machine learning in my business. Woohoo. Why? What for? What are we trying to solve? What's the reason there? Do you see that a lot or, you know, in other businesses in general? Yeah. I mean, I would say that, uh, maybe another way to frame it, which is a little different, but the, the thing that, you know, the, people talked a lot about at Amazon, kind of this relentless focus on the customer. Right. And I, mm. I think, I think that was largely true. And in my opinion, it was one of the really big, unique identity, you know, 
unique things about Amazon was how much there was, there was really focus on what the customer wanted, what, what excited them, what made them buy more, what, what made them want to use Amazon over some of these other means. And I think most companies say that there's a, there's a, you know, you're not going to find a company that's like, like, you know, I don't care what the customer forget thinks, the right? customer. Like yeah. Whatever. Yeah. yeah We're not, exactly, we don't right? care like, about them. Right. <laughs> so you're, you're not going to, you're not going to hear that at face value, but I think what it really comes down to is, is, you know, how committed are you to actually making that happen? And I think when you think about these supply chains and these retail processes overall, it's, it's going to be about pulling out what a customer really need in all aspects of the organization, including the technology and data science. Right. And, and so when you're building your tech, it's really, it, it should be largely driven from what does the customer want? And I think if you lose sight of that, you, you risk a, the, you just, you risk a, a really toxic culture in a lot of ways. Well, Maybe that's you also risk a, irrelevance because frankly, exactly. someone else, I mean, you look at a lot of the competitors that Amazon had in the early days, where are they now, right? So uh, that's just a reality, right? Okay, so I want to fast forward now to 2019. You co-founded Shipium, which is an AI and machine learning powered transportation and inventory management solution. And tell us a little bit about what made you create Shipium and more importantly, why did you bring it to the marketplace then? How do you see the logistics industry evolving over these years? Yeah, I mean, I, I think the way I would describe it is I, I left Amazon in 2018 and I was, I was, you know, I spent some time kind of trying to figure out what do I want to do next, right? And, mm. and it was, I, I had some ideas. I, I, wasn't, I wasn't entirely sure. And I, I think I, you know, more than ever, I can kind of a, appreciate the kids right now graduating from high school and trying to figure out what they want to do in college, you know, and kind of trying to <laughs> pull that through. But in general, um, I left Amazon was, was kind of exploring. I talked to a lot of people that I know, like talked to a lot of people in the retail industry and, and started to get a feeling for, you know, where were the pain points? And as I was looking at opportunities very in various forms, what became really clear was just this whole of there's just, not this technology available. You know, I know that you need this technology to run an e-commerce operation efficiently. You know, you, you need it because you're just not going to be able to create a sustainable business without it. And then when I looked around, there just was, this was not being addressed or solved by any of these companies, fairly large companies. And I, you know, that was the kernel or the impetus that really started driving the formation of Shipium was if we can bring this technology to market that has this outsized impact on probably the most expensive aspect of e-commerce shipping, then you have something really compelling that operators and retailers are going to want and probably a really big business because, you know, I just, I knew the impact this had on Amazon and I, I knew what we could do by unpacking this and, and bringing this to market for the rest of the rest of the retail market out there. Did you have some sort of crystal ball or something? Because you seem to have done this right before the pandemic hit, <laughs> right before all this crisis, yeah. ships stuck in canals. I mean, yeah, the market was calling for this, wasn't it? Yeah, really. I mean, it, the timing, you know, couldn't have been better. Obviously, with and I think, I think, you know, even now we've seen a little bit of dip, and you know, as as everything opened up, there was kind of a slowdown in that in that rampant pickup from e-commerce, but in general. We're just, I think if you draw the trend line, 
it's just continue e-commerce has continued to go up over the years and i don't have any reason to believe that it's going to change right i mean you you expectations have changed as people start shopping for more and more things online you know not not like this is a a, a novel thing at this point but as more and more people come on as more and more people use e-commerce as their primary means of shopping right that that market share, that retail share is going to continue to grow. And so I think in that sense, we, you know, we have a very healthy business model to work from. I think the, the pandemic was a nice accelerant, you know, it kind of brought forward some things that maybe take, would have taken a little longer, but I think these trends are, are, you know, have been heading in the same direction for a while. And I think, you know, Amazon has really changed consumer expectations they've done a lot of the legwork of of making people think about the world this way and so to some degree the you know the, the retail industry is begging for shipium mm. so how has the logistics in, uh, industry evolved in your eyes since you were at amazon to where you are now wearing your hat as ceo of shipium i you know i think there's it's still a obviously an industry that's that's uh you know, it's been around a long time, obviously. And, and because of that, there's a lot of legacy and a lot of fragmentation and, and other things you kind of see in a traditional industry like that. And so I think there's, there's definitely, you know, I think there's a push kind of happening and I don't know if it's a combination of people leaving Amazon and spreading out into these other companies or, kind of more of a youth movement in logistics or mm. all of the above. But I think you, you are seeing this shift towards a more modern approach with e-commerce and I mean, with uh, logistics and operations. Right. And I think, you know, this is something that, that as soon as 30 years ago, it was, a, it was mostly manual. It was mostly done through gut feelings, et cetera. And you've now seen the shift towards data science, the use of, of technology to optimize and operate these, these operations. And, and just kind of the, the other aspect of the ability to share data between all these different pieces to, to coordinate. Right. And so I, I definitely see a push towards that in the industry. Mm. I think what we're all trying to do is kind of make that happen as fast as possible. Right. In our own, in our own little slice of the pie. What's the danger? What's the danger if we don't do that? You know, if we don't uh, modernize, like you say, or integrate this kind of technology into the logistics and operations, what's that going to look like? You know, I, I think what hap I think what it does is it kind of creates these these new preferential experiences, right? If you if you look at like a, uh, you know, let's go back thirty years, you've got Walmart super centers everywhere. That's kind of the preferred method, at least in the U.S. that people are shopping. It gives everyone access to a hundred thousand items. You know, there's whatever the, the, the number of SKUs that you can hold in one of these stores, which is, which is great. It's obviously an improvement over what they had 20 years before that. But I think the, the general population is demands that they have this kind of Amazon like experience where they get access to a much, much larger array of SKUs. Right. And so I, I think more than anything, the danger. I think it's going to happen because there's just too much pull from customers. You know, I really believe that what drives a lot of these changes is just just demand and innovation in terms of what customers want and need. And I, I think that's what, you know, what is pulling this industry forward more than anything. And so, you know, the danger for retailers, if they're not, if they're not kind of 
addressing these issues is just extinction, right? They're, mm-hmm. they're not going to be able to meet the customer needs. It, they're not going to be able to do it in the way that, that consumers want to consume this stuff, right? And so, you know, I think you, you think about it from the standpoint of if you don't have this technology, if you're not using data in this way, you're not going to be able to provide this experience that, that consumers want and need, right, to shop. And so you're going to become uh, an artifact, right? And I think, I think that's really at the, the core of what's driving us. And, and you know what else I think as, as you know, the, the Gen Zs, Gen Z, Gen Z, whatever. <laughs> you can tell I've lived in the I UK like that. long enough. Gen Z. Yeah, Gen Z. Yeah. So the Gen Z uh, generation uh, have more buying power their shopping expectations will change as well, you know, will infiltrate the marketplace, which will be mostly online, et cetera. So there's a lot of pressure from that, but we haven't even begun to address other pressures, pressures to drive for sustainability, a scarce resource of materials, geopolitical issues, all the huge forces that are impacting the, the shipping world, supply chain world, well, business world in general. Do you think that logistics leaders are doing enough to shield themselves against risk today? I think they generally no. I think a lot of people have kind of realized that this is something they need to improve on. And maybe one of the 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 lesser known artifacts of the pandemic was the fact that it really did expose how kind of the lack of resilience in our supply chains in general, right? And I, I think, you know, the way that, in my opinion, the way that you deal with risk efficiently in today's world is with automation and data. And I think, I think if you, you know, if you kind of go through the workflow of how something was done before, a team of analysts, you know, maybe they build a spreadsheet, they decide, these are the carriers you want to use. Here's how I want to store inventory in my network. Well, something happens, right? Like there's a, mm. there's, you know, maybe, maybe something like a major sto- snowstorm or I have supply shortages or there's an increased, you know, there's increased demand in a particular region. All of these things happen, right? Well, all of a sudden this calculation that you've done statically three months ago is no longer relevant. And what you're really wanting, you know, the, the power of kind of having that automation and the use of data is the system is going to naturally adjust to that. And if that means using a new mix of carriers, moving inventory from one position in the country to another, or rerouting around a potential, you know, issue or disruption, all those things get solved quickly and in real time by a computer system. Whereas if this is a manual process, this is something that takes months instead of minutes. Well, again, which is going to leave you behind from a competitive standpoint. That's that's the whole point. I mean, really the world that we live in is this, this crisis stuff isn't going away seems to be the new normal that we're operating in. And so if you're still using antiquated systems, right? Right, right. To, to navigate the, the crisis, it's going to be quite difficult to keep up with, uh, with your competitors. And I think that people, I think this has an outsized impact too on how people perceive shopping, you know, and I, yeah. I think that's, that's another, you know, thread that we can maybe pull on is just mm. how much operations in the e-commerce world has an effect on consumer experience, right? And what, you know, how they, what's the long-term value of that consumer to the, to the business, to the firm? And, and, you know, are they going to convert and buy again? And all of that kind of plays into the, ultimately the experience they were given when, when they get ready to go buy something and how quickly it arrives. And, you know, at the core of Amazon, that's what we were playing off of. But, 
you know, I, I think, I think it's just, it's, it's, if you miss on these things consistently, you're going to lose customers. They're not going to buy as much from you. And you really want the other scenario where your revenue goes up as a result of your, your super fantastic shipping experience. Hey, you know what? It's, it's perhaps something that people overlook or take for granted, but exactly. just, just today I was shopping. I'm not going to say where at a, at a store online <laughs> and I was looking for something and there were two products available and one was delivery date two weeks from now. And one was delivery date today or tomorrow. And I, there was just no question, quite literally yeah. no question. I, I wanted yeah. the one that was available tomorrow. Right. two weeks from now. <laughs> I don't know what I was thinking, whether I don't know where I'll be in two weeks. Oh my gosh, this world. I just, it's not an option. There was never, can you imagine we've, we've gone to that point where we are making, and, and might I say that the, that the, the product that I wanted which was the word I really wanted was available two weeks from now. I bought something more expensive, a little bit different because I wanted it tomorrow. So, yeah. and I'm not alone with that stuff. You know, we are, th that is, and that, I know you were talking here in this podcast about e-commerce and retail, which is where you specialize, but let's, let's extend this throughout the supply chain. You know, let's, ex people have to answer to their own consumers too, right? So whether you're manufacturing a car, whether you're manufacturing a phone, th these types of considerations in terms of being able to get things quickly is, is still something that's very relevant to them. We don't have a lot of time left, so I want to talk briefly about the people side of things. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, large scale uh, digital transformation, as you know, you need to have the right talent. You need to have the right people. And I think everyone knows this, right? It's, and, you know, we all know this stuff. So, what do you think the right talent looks like? And what, such, what should supply chain leaders be looking out for when they search for that best talent? You know, I think there's a, I, so I, I think at its core, it starts with what we at Shipium call kind of a modern operator, right? And I think the modern operator is someone who is trying to consume multiple information streams, data about historical performance, trying to make, you know, informed decisions on what's going to happen in the past. They're comfortable using technology to make, help, help them make these decisions. And they're essentially bringing all of these, these topics that we just discussed into their operations, right? So at some level, maybe the simplest way to think about it is an operator 20, 30 years ago, they're entirely worried about cost. You know, the, mm -hmm. the CEO presumably yells at them and says, you need to bring the cost down. The CPU is this, we need to bring our our capital spend down to this, right? I think that's that's maybe the the thirty year ago model, right? The current model is there's a cost component, but there's also hey, what you're doing is going to it it ultimately drives our customer experience. It drives our revenue, and if you're good at what you're doing, our the revenue for the company is going to go up, and that's what I really care about. And so, I, I think you know being able to bring in all of the data they need to make informed decisions about how speed and cost inter are intertwined is critical. So I think there's kind of that modern operator piece. And then I think the second thing is just, is just technologists into the organization, technologists and, and data scientists into the organization such that you have the tools available to actually make these decisions. And obviously, you know, from the Shipium standpoint, we're, we're a very, very developer friendly you know, API first solution that is meant to integrate into a complicated uh, IT infrastructure at one of these companies and hopefully handle a lot of the muck and legwork 
so that so that they can use this data and these decisions to ultimately focus on what specifically needs to happen for their business, right? And so, so I think you know those two things are critical, though that that modern operator that can consume and use data, and then and then the technologists that are that are kind of looking to continually tweak and change things to make the overall process better. And lastly, if you could leave our listeners with one piece of advice on you know, adopting the right tech or having the right mentality or recruiting the right talent for logistics transformation, what would it be? I think that you need to bring in people that are comfortable experimenting, comfortable using data and comfortable using technology to continually improve your, your supply chain and logistics infrastructure. And so it's critical that you get that right person that's focused towards that goal of using technology data to ultimately solve the customer problem of fast and cheap delivery. Which is going back to what you said when we were talking about what Amazon did did very well. You know, not operating in these silos where tech is over here, business is over there, we exactly. barely talk. So uh, someone right. that gets that picture. No. I really appreciate you being on here, Jason, sharing your journey with us and uh, uh, sharing everything about what you've been doing and your insights. So thanks so much for participating. Thank you so much. It was nice to talk to you today, Maria. And for those of you listening, we'll catch you at the next one.